God. Well, let's turn our Bibles today to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and we're going to read from 30 to 33, and uh, we are still talking about the church. When are we going to get over it? Well, I hope next week we're going to end it, maybe. I have no idea. There's just so much. Remember that the church, according to Ephesians, the second chapter is the eternal purpose of God. In other words, it was in the mind and the plan of God before the foundations of the earth. And the process of coming into the church is the process of hearing of Christ, accepting his redemptive plan, being brought into the body of Christ. And when you're brought into the body of Christ, not only are you a child of God, you're automatically a part of the church, the assembly of the righteous. Does God believe in the church? He has one in heaven. Hallelujah. He had one in the wilderness and he has one today. Amen. Jesus said, I will build my church. And I do understand that we are members in particular, but we also have to understand that we are an organized or someone that is ordered by God to assemble so that we may become what God would have us become. This is God's plan, not man's plan. Amen? Hallelujah. And so in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 30, first let me say this. The church is an assembly of individual members of the body of Christ. It is the promise of God. It is comprised of believing, redeemed, blood-bought people. Those that love one another and have a goal to show their devotion to Christ by serving others. These believers have their faith rooted in the proclamation of the foundation of the church, which is Jesus is the Son of the living God. And so the church is a mystery. Somebody say a mystery. Mystery. It says this, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, for this reason of being a member of Christ's body, but also comparing marriage to the union of man with Christ. And then it says, This is the reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto the wife, and they too shall become one flesh. Now this is a great mystery. What? Marriage and the church. But the church is really the purpose of the marriage covenant between man and woman being unveiled and the responsibilities of the male and the responsibility of the woman, one to each other, submitting one to another. Then it says this, Go back to 32 there. And it says, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the what? Church. Next verse. Nevertheless, let every one of you, in particular, so love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respect the husband. So we discover that the church is a mystery. Can you go to Ephesians 3, 1? Ephesians 3, 1. A mystery of something that is not openly understood or not openly seen. It is something that is kind of being unveiled 
as we meditate, we think, we seek, and we evaluate the truths that we find. And so realize that it is a mystery. It is something that really cannot be seen in, in its entirety until it is seen visibly or has enough evidence to confirm the mystery. Now, the mystery of the church is being revealed little by little. That's one of the problems with the church. Sometimes we think that once we hear a message, we've heard everything about that subject. When the Bible says that God does this, Isaiah the 28th chapter, he shows a little here and a little there. He adds a little, he adds a little, little here and a little there. He builds little upon little. So we have to realize every time we hear a message about the church, about giving or about tithing, we have to understand that we haven't even yet heard half of the story. Sometimes people think that they know everything when they don't know much about nothing. I never consider myself having understood a scripture. Who would I be that I think that I have plummeted to the depth of what God was saying even in one period? Well, I never consider myself having to un come to the end of understanding. I know that I'm laying stones to the pathway of understanding. And then it says this, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given unto me for you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Now notice that it says by dispensation. Dispensations are slots of time. And slots of times, these dispensations are dispensations where God reveals or adds to a uh, of truth that has already been led. In other words, we are building the New Testament church out of revelation, not only of what Paul has received, but what the prophets have declared. Could again, amen. See, we are built upon the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. In other words, we build upon that which has already been laid, but laid, but we also build upon that which God is unveiling today. And so we are building out of the old and we are adding to in the new. The kingdom of God is of the old and of the new. And then it says here, how that by revelation he, God, made known unto me the mystery as I have briefly written. Somebody say briefly. Notice that it doesn't say completely. That's an interesting thing. And it says, by which you have read that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. In other words, the Bible is telling us from the writing of Paul's that the mystery of Christ, which is also the mystery of the church, has never been revealed as it's been revealed today. Amen? And it says, made known to the sons of men as it hath been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. Now, see, that was never, ever 
unveiled to the Jewish nation. They thought it was the church in the wilderness. They thought they would be the only people of God. But God's plan was that the Gentiles and the Jews would become one people in Christ Jesus. And then it says this, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effectual working of his power. Does anybody remember what the mystery of Paul was? Christ in you, the hope of glory. All right, so we see that a mystery is being unveiled to you and I little by little and is being revealed to us by the scriptures, but also by a revelation of those scriptures by the Spirit of God. Are we ever going to come into the knowledge of the fullness of truth? No. No, absolutely not. And so we have to understand that even as we are now perceiving the things of the scriptures that we think is great revelation, all it is is we are still looking through a glass darkly and seeing dimly. Now, we may be seeing more than what the prophets have prophesied of the body of Christ and the coming of the church, but we are still looking and straining through the eyes of the depth of people that do not understand the fullness of God. And so every time we preach on something, for everybody that shuts off their receiver, when you mention the message of a name, say, oh, I've already heard this. You know what? You are living in a land of blindness. You have heard nothing compared to what we should be hearing. Amen? We add a little here and a little there. And that's how God builds in his kingdom and revelations in our life. All right, now let's go to Colossians 4.3. Colossians 4.3. This is, a, again, we're talking about the church being a mystery that we are unraveling. Meanwhile, praying for us also that God would open unto us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. What is the mystery of Christ? That the Gentiles should be brought into the church, the representative of the body of Christ that unveils God to the world. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I've come to show you the Father. The Bible says in 1 John that we believe in God through Jesus Christ. And so the, the uh, mystery of it is, is that God would open us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, which I am an ambassador also in chains. Paul says that he needs to have a door open because the world needs to hear about the mystery of Christ. Christ is a mystery. The church is a mystery. Us being one flesh, bone of his bone, is a mystery. But we are discovering a little here and a little there. And then when we discover these, we add them to the foundation that we already have. Colossians 1.27 127 says this, this is a mystery. The mystery that's been hidden from the foundation of the earth revealed now. Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. Somebody say the hope of glory. So what is, what is glory? Have you ever wondered we're supposed to glorify God? We're going to look at that word in a couple of minutes. Individually and corporately. Somebody say individually and corporately. The church has a purpose for God and from God. That God is to be glorified so that when people see us, they what's this, will believe in him. So when the church becomes dim, guess what? People stop believing. They stop believing. So we realize that the word glory means this. To give visible, tangible evidence of something that exists that has never been seen. Think of this. Jesus came to dwell in you so that you be, could become a living epistle. Living, moving, tangible evidence that God exists. In other words, we live a life where all things are possible. We never give up. We don't cave in. We don't quit. And when they see our outcomes or when they see our triumphs or our turnarounds or our ways of life or our mannerisms, guess what? They see that as evidence that there is a God. And that's how we glorify. Christ is in you. The hope that we will live up to our potential that the world may know there is a God. Wow. It means to give a right judgment about somebody. You know how many judgments there are about God? Hundreds. One judgment is, God put this sickness on me. Another judgment is, well, if he's God, why is everybody dying of famine? Well, 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 if he's God, why doesn't he just make all evil go away? See, they have false judgments because they are in reality separated from the life of God because of ignorance. Understanding never begins and neither does wisdom until a man becomes born again. And so when the world is trying to define God, they make miscalculations and inappropriate judgments. Amen? Amen? Absolutely. Absolutely they do. It's kind of like, have you ever heard... when, when the Bible says in Matthew, the 24th chapter, that in the end days, they'll be saying, here's a Jesus, there's a Jesus, here's a Jesus, there's a Jesus. Does that mean there's going to be a whole lot of Jesuses? No. That means that there's going to be a whole lot of people that say what they're preaching is the doctrine authorized by Christ. And so they're going to say these things. Oh, come over here. It's grace. You can do whatever you want. What is that? That's another gospel. Well, what is the gospel about? It's another Christ. 
Now we have these things that I think there's a big prophetic movement. The thing about me, folks, understand this. I don't listen to 90% of what the church is saying because it never says nothing worth hearing. But have you heard about the prophetic move? No. Well, well, it's something new. Really? There's nothing new under the sun. Where did that come from? You know, I think I'll just stick to preaching this, living it, proclaiming it, walking in it, obeying in it. You can do whatever you want. You can get on all the bandwagons, get on all the boats, get on the ship, buy yourself a cruising motorcycle, get with the crowd. But I think I'm going to stick with this unchangeable, unadulterated, absolute gospel of Jesus Christ. Not replacing it by inspiration only. I'm not, de- I'm not affected and I'm not offended when they call me fundamental. Well, you're still back there. <laughs> I'm still believing what I believed when I got saved. And you will be a flash in the pan. And when you crash and your faith equals nothing, I'll tell you the only place you're going to get any faith is right here. Now, you can go into a room and have your future prophesied. You can go to a a prophecy movement and everybody gets slain in the Holy Ghost. That's great. But, you know, all of the slaining in the Holy Ghost and all the prophetic conferences, let me tell you, they never equip you for the work of the ministry. They never adorn you with righteousness. They never transform you into the image of Christ. And they never, ever establish who you are. And you listen to things that you know are never going to be said, but your emotions are so tickled, you just can't acknowledge it. It's a lie. If a prophecy doesn't entail the secret of your heart, it's not God. Read 1 Corinthians 14. But see, there's so much of this stuff that's going on. But realize this. It's just another gospel. They're trying to entice parts of the church to make disciples after their own self. And the thing about sheep is many times they never look at the hind end they're following. They just go with the crowd. I don't mean that dirty. I'm just telling you that sheep just... They never look up and say, whoops, wrong end. (laughs) They don't know if they're following a donkey, a goat, a cow. They don't care. They're just listening to the piper pipe. And that's wrong. We are to judge, amen? And if it takes away from the gospel or creates something, you know, this is a new move of God. No, it's not. It's just old rubbish recycled. Come on, somebody. I got 30% of you, man. I'm after all of you. Hallelujah. Yes, I want you to judge yourself. And then it says this. The word glory means to reveal or to give honor to a place of God in an individual's life. In other words, when Christ is in us, the hope and the expectancy that we will live to our potential The hope is that people will see God in you and be convinced that he exists. 
Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. The word glory means to declare God's power and purpose. It means to offer to him worship by serving one another. The world thinks it's crazy when we serve each other, when we prefer ourselves above ourselves, when we'd rather see you be blessed than us be blessed. Now, I'm telling you who you really are. No Christian with Christ in him ever, ever perceives that he should be first among the brethren. He should always be sweeping up after everybody else. The word means to... Let me see. Let me get this right. The word means to open up the heart of individuals so that they may see the possibility of God and man joined together. Hallelujah. Praise God. It means to show God's love for humanity in a visible way. In a visible way. Isn't that amazing? This is done by lifestyle. Somebody say by lifestyle. lifestyle. By lifestyle. Oh, I hate that word lifestyle. I know it. It is done by us being living epistles. Everything about us expresses Christ and his will. It is done by serving one another. It is done by good works. It is done by giving. Giving. Do you know what giving is? Giving is a confession or a profession that Jesus is Lord of our life and what we have belongs to him. Amen. You can find that in 2 Corinthians the ninth chapter, verse 10, 11, and 12, that when we give to people, they acknowledge that God is in you and that something greater than you has been your motivation, Amen. has been your motivation. Wow, praise God. Yep. So it's done by giving and by ministering the word as well as demonstration of power so that the church is seen as an extension of Jesus Christ. Remember it said that they called them what? Christians at Antioch. Acts 11 chapter. What does Christians mean? Christ-like. These are they that have turned the world upside down. They took notice of those men. In other words, we should be world changers. Amen. We should be circumstance transitioners. In other words, when something comes against us, we use it to promote Christ. I got a call. Well, I didn't get a call. I called Jesse the other day. Somebody told me, oh, Jesse's on the news. So I called Jesse. I said, hey, Jesse, I heard you're in the fire. He said, I'm enjoying myself, Peter. He said, praise God, it's only been two days, and guess what? My, my revenue has come up $130,000 in two days. I said, Jesse, tell him I want a plane too. Now see, you can get ticked off all you want. It doesn't matter. He's not serving your God. He's serving his God. 
His God doesn't have a problem about it. And they said, well, you know, we, we investigated that. He said, he said, Peter, that was a lie. He said, I made the CD, the DVD myself and sent it out to people. And I told them, I'm not asking for your money. Don't need your money. All I want you to do is believe for me that God is going to finish the work. Amen. He said, but then they said, he has four planes. He said, liar. He said, I've only had two, and I only always have one at a time. And I said, well, Jesse, what can I do to help you? He said, nothing. He said, this phone call, just calling me and telling me you care and that you believe in me means more to me than anything, Peter. He said, not many people are calling these days. But he said, the good thing of it is, he said, do you know that I am the number one story in the world? And he said, every time that they say it, they say this. Well, he says he needs it to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I've made Jesus the number one subject of every news uh, cast and every news story in the world. And then he said down here in Louisiana when they were telling about it, that lady looked at the guy she was interviewing. She said, you know what? I think he's going to get it. And the guy said, I do too. He said, now the world has joined my faith. He said, the only negative is the believer. He don't need that. He don't need this. He don't. Look, let's all just, let's all be truthful. David, David what, 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 what kind of car do you drive? A Nissan. A Nissan. You, you got one car, two cars, three. How many you got? Three. Three cars. What is wrong with it? Why don't you sell that money, put it in the gospel? Why don't you use it for evangelism? Oh, I'll tell you why. The same reason that those harping hypocrites don't give all their stuff away and give it to the gospel neither. That's why you ain't doing it. Because you want what you got. Because your God brought it. Amen. You can't help but that the guy down the road is only a one God car, a one car God. True. Right? Somebody said, well, well, Jesus had a donkey. He could have walked. And he got boats. He could have walked around Galilee. He didn't have to sail across there. Come on, let's be real. Think of how much money he could have saved if he hadn't been feeding that stinking donkey. Come on, come on, help me. How much time and, and how much effort he could have saved if he wouldn't have had to rescue that ship. And he could have used his faith maybe to heal one more person. You know, Jesus could have cut cars. Why does he need such a nice robe? Everybody wants to gamble. Come on, why? Why? Because he was God's son. And he used everything at his disposal to get the gospel out, just like we should. If we had an airplane, I could save almost seven weeks a year. That's seven weeks times, what, seven times? That's 49 more nights I could have laid beside Philip. And who knows? Another Isaac may have been born. <laughs> you, we, we don't know. We don't know. I would have been out 49 more times? Absolutely not. Not until after the baby was born. Then I'd been gone a long time until that baby come back with a doctor. All right. Now, 
So let's go. John 14, 6 through 19, Jesus said this. Don't you know that when you have seen me, you have seen the Father? Now that's because the Spirit of the Father is in me. And because of the work's sake, you believe in him. Then Jesus gives us a revelation. Now it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is the church? Tangible evidence of an invisible Christ. And only by us will the world believe. Only by us will they believe. Only by us will the world believe. I remember the story that Rob told that uh, this guy was uh, on the porch and he was uh, sick. He'd had a surgery and everything. They couldn't, it was an incurable thing. So Rob said, uh, well, would you like to be saved? Well, man, I'm so sick. And, and he said, what if Jesus would save you? What if Jesus would heal you? Would you serve him? Well, of course I would. So Rob prays for the man. And all of a sudden the man said, oh, my God, what'd you do to me? Oh, my, oh my, my God, it's all gone. It's all gone. Pretty soon, he's preaching the gospel to the neighbors that came out of the house. And so Rob said, now remember the deal. If Jesus would heal you, you'd just give your life to him. He said, absolutely. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. See, because that man believed because of Christ in him. The church must rise up and be the church if we are ever going to see the world Come to Christ. Amen? The church needs to stop being divided. I don't care if you're Baptist. I don't care if you're hook-nosed, one-eared. I don't care. If you are saved, you and I are in partnership for the fullness of the purpose of Jesus Christ. I have a Baptist friend, and he said, well, you know, uh, I don't believe you get, need the Holy Ghost and all that kind of stuff. Then one day he told me, he said, I tried that and I told God, if you want me to have it, go ahead and give it to me. I said, I thought you got it when you got saved. He said, well, I thought I did, but now I'm wondering. Well, you know what I told him? I said, look, he was a great preacher. I said, how about my church rent you a building and you go ahead and start preaching? He said, well, I don't believe like you do. I said, I know, but everybody's got to be a Catholic or a Baptist on their way to my church. <laughs> I don't care how people get saved. Do, do you? I don't care. As long as they get saved. Amen? Amen? Now, the church and individuals have a mission. Somebody say a mission. It cannot be made secondary. It is the primary purpose of our existence. Hallelujah. I hate to spring this on you. What do you think the commission is in the mission? That's why you aren't preaching this message. Turn to, turn to Hebrews 10.25. Oh, my gosh, you're telling me the, the... Well, you know what? How can you go out and preach the gospel except you understand it? How can you go out and preach the gospel unless you've been equipped by the preaching of the word? You need the church so that you can go as a representative of the church. 
And it says this, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another so that much more as you see the day approaching. Do you know that you and I have a mission? Somebody say a mission. To assemble. To assemble. Now let me ask you something. You know Ephesians 4, verse 11 on down to 16. God gave us prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Where do they gather at? Where, 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 did you have a gathering of the prophets and the apostles at your house last week? I didn't. You, you didn't? Uh, hey, hey, Ray, how many? You weren't here last week. No. Yeah, attention. I told you that camera never lied. Put that on his mark right there. Now, did uh, an apostle or a pastor show up at your weekend off? No, sir. Really? No. Hmm. Where does the fivefold ministry gather? Acts 13 says the church. The assembly of the righteous. So when we gather at the assembly of the righteous, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 takes place. And that simply means this, that the saints are going to be perfected. Well, I can do it all on my own. Evidence has proven you have failed. Now, the other is that we prepare the church for ministry, for the use of their talents, so that as spiritual individuals, they may be sanctified by Christ washing them with the word. It means that we keep them from being children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. It means that you and I begin to be engrafted by the Holy Ghost into the cause that we have. It means that you, as we said under the word, as an assembly, we become unified one with another. Unified one with another. Our differences are swallowed up by our compassion and our understanding. Yeah, absolutely. And so until we come into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ so that we, as people, become a part of the body of Christ, that's you. Somebody say, not pastor. I get to preach to you so that you can mature in Christ so that the body of Christ can begin to edify itself in love. Now, that's a big word, David, because that word edifying itself in love, it means that every member has to take care of the other. Oh, but I thought you should... No, no, I watch for your souls. But your well-being lies within the hands of those that have been giftings and callings in the midst of the church. You know shepherds don't... Uh, have sheep offspring? If you saw me doing that in the world today, you'd call animal rights as well as the nut house. But the sheep, because we have never been taught that we're supposed to minister, expects everything is existence upon the pastor. Please, let me say this to you.
The apostles did not go from house to house. The saints did. Sheep produce sheep. I get to feed you. I get to bury you and get your wool. I get to dip you, clean you, sanctify you, corral you, direct you. But it's up to you to breed other sheep. Does that make sense? Shepherds do not breed sheep. Maybe say, oh my God, this is so sickening. Oh, please. My God, give me a break. Jesus talked like this. Come on, what, what is wrong with you? You are not that carnal. To understand what I'm telling you, let the prophet be the prophet, let the evangelist be the evangelist, let the apostle be the apostle. Let the teacher be the teacher. Let the uh, pastor be the pastor. And let the church be the church. Amen. Could I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, I, I've had people come and say, well, you know, pastor, our, our, our church is just not growing. I don't know what's wrong with our pastor. I'd say people like you. You just ain't breeding enough. You are not sowing enough seeds. Stop criticizing and sowing critical seeds of neglect and unbelief and division and get yourself up out of your corral and get out there and start sowing seeds. Amen. Now some of you about to oh my God, he wants us to... Look, that seat beside you don't belong to me. I stand up there. That's right. Do you hear that place getting hotter back there behind you? You hear it sizzling? <laughs> yeah. Do you? I, I, it is, isn't it? Yep. Yep. You've heard this before, so it doesn't bother you. <laughs> it's the truth. See, we have made misjudgments against the systematic work of the church for the expansion of the kingdom. And so we count, if the church is growing, the pastor is anointed. Yeah, doesn't mean he'll be. It means that his congregation is active in the Father's business. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. How many of you made it to the beauty salon last week? Raise your hand. Come on. Come on, help me, women. I know some of you needed it, and I see you have changed from last Sunday. Come on, we got one woman raising her hand. The rest of you are like, oh, my God, I ain't raising my hand. All right, how many of you men took a shower last week? The wife says, I'll tell you, could you encourage three times a week? I encourage you every day, praise God. Your wife don't want you smelling like the factory that you work in. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. She is not oil, and she's not a machine. She doesn't want to smell like the people you work with. Amen. She wants you smelling good. Yep. Put some lilac salt and lilac stuff in the bathtub. Jump in there. Hallelujah. Ask her to come in and rub your back. Praise God. Bring your supper. Does that happen to your house? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, for about $100. And yeah, and it'll be a microwave TV dinner. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. And uh, as for the back rub, right. Yeah. Rub up down on the tub, darling. Get, get all the kinks out. Yeah. No. But see, the thing of it is, the church 
has twisted the judgment of God. And what have they done? They have stripped you and I from glorifying him. Because we never show the world what the church is about. Why don't you come to church with me? How did God get saved? Is a, a Judy Perrine here? Is Judy here? Okay. Her husband, Ron, got saved. And uh, he went out and started praying for people. He went up to his friends and said, Hey, I'll tell you what, you need to marry that girl, and I'll tell you what, but my pastor will marry you free, and if you don't, you're going to go to hell. And when, when you get married, I'll pray for you, and God will heal you. And he came and started telling me all these testimonies, and I said, Ron, Look, I want you to attend church, but don't talk to me to too many people that attend here. He said, why? I said, I don't want you to be like them. They don't do this. <laughs> now, you think I'm kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I said, listen, do not die. Amen. Don't become religious. Don't become a typical 21st century Christian. Don't do it. Okay. What we do not need is another dead corpse on a pew. What we need is some living sheep. Amen. Amen. And you need a stimulant or what, what do you, uh, testosterone? Go see Dr. Obalu. He, he has his testosterone, salvation testosterone. And he'll shoot you up. Isn't that right, Doc? We, we just want to make it. $29.95 per shot, we split it. Look, just, a little deception for the evangelism of the world is worth it. No, I'm kidding. No. Folks, how about you being sheep and I'll be a shepherd? Hello? Now, every sheep, who's a farmer in here? How long does it take a sheep to... Six months. So every six months, every sheep in here ought to be winning one sheep. Now next year, we're going to start a new building program because we're going to be filled up because you are sowing seeds. Hello? And some of you need to have twins because you ain't done nothing since you got saved. <clears throat> now I'm being funny and you're laughing. But I'm telling you what, I'm telling you right to your face. You are sheep, and I'm a shepherd. And one of the criteria of a mature sheep, one that says they are in Christ, is reproduction. So unless you're a sterile sheep, I'll tell you what we do with sh sterile sheep. We make mutton out of them. <laughs> now, you may be offended. I don't, I, really, I don't care. You may be mad. I don't, I don't care. You may be uncomfortable. Get over it. I'm trying to make a point. Amen. And the point is, you have your job and I have mine. And I'm preaching the gospel. And you need to adhere to it and do it. Amen? Now, let's get after it. Your job is to do what God created you as a sheep to do. 
Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And we're going to end up right there. Huh?